Welcome to Everyday Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, nurse practitioner, Cynthia Thurlow. This podcast is designed to educate, empower, and inspire you to achieve your health and wellness goals. My goal and intent is to provide you with the best content and conversations from leaders in the health and wellness industry each week and impact over a million lives. Today, I had the honor of recording the first of two episodes with Dr. Tabitha Barber. She's a triple board certified OBGYN specializing in perimenopause, menopause, and functional medicine. She's also known as the gutsy gynecologist, and she's one of my favorite women in the health and wellness space. In this first episode, we talked a great deal about perimenopause, the role of lifestyle management, navigating this middle-age transition the impact of the use of oral contraceptives, the role of informed consent, the impact on our gut microbiome, vitamin and mineral depletion, as well as the use of typical therapies in middle age, including IUDs, ablations, and hysterectomies, how we can navigate cycle mapping during this time and how to integrate intermittent fasting into perimenopause successfully. We also briefly touched on vasomotor symptoms and how to best manage them. I know you will find this podcast invaluable, and we recorded a second one immediately after, which we will share later this summer. Well, today is the first of two parts of my discussion with Dr. Tabitha Barber. She's an OBGYN, and she is affectionately referred to and has a wonderful podcast called The Gutsy Gynecologist. So welcome, Tabitha. Thank you so much for having me, Cynthia. We need to talk about all of this stuff. I agree. I agree. So what during your training or when you decided to go to medical school, what got you so passionate about helping support women throughout their lifetime? Because I think about you as a GYN that is really thinking from, you know, when we start menstruating all the way through menopause, you're not focused on one particular age group. You really do think about women on a continuum. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I was going to be a rock star when I grew up. I thought I was going to marry Tommy Lee from Motley Crue. And like, I had the craziest idea of how life was going to play out. I had no interest in school or any of that, but I got pregnant in 11th grade and that shifted my entire life. And I realized now that was, you know, God's plan for me. But what I you know, I had a traumatic experience. I was on Medicaid and food stamps and I was treated like a second class citizen. I had a doctor assigned to me who was nearing retirement. It was some family practice doctor who did not want to take Medicaid, but it was required. So I was one of those patients and nothing was explained to me. Things were done to me that I, you know, many years later said, oh my God, you know, what the heck? And that experience changed me. It opened my eyes to the fact that women don't have a voice and a choice in their health and that we need advocates. We need people in those roles as physicians and nurses and administrators to actually think about those women and stick up for them and do what's right for them. So that really shifted me. And I ended up going back to get my GED. I went to a community college. I figured out how to get good grades. It's amazing what you do when you try. (laughs) And I went to medical school. Like that was my sole purpose was I was going to be a women's health physician. I didn't know even what that looked like. You know, I came from a small town. We didn't even have gynecologists. So 
it all evolved, but I knew my purpose the whole way through. And here I am out in practice, you know, I do all this hard work for 10, 15 years or whatever. And I finally become a physician and it's such an amazing feat, but then I'm stuck in this broken system and I'm cranking patients out, you know, like it's a factory every 15 to 20 minutes and no one's really getting better. You know, my saving grace was delivering babies was an amazing experience and women were so grateful. And, you know, I got so much praise for that. And I love seeing the babies out and about around town. But when it came to my women, my gynecology patients, I wasn't getting any success. I wasn't helping them feel better. It was always what pill can I find for them next? What surgery can I do next? And so it felt very disheartening. And, you know, I reached my breaking point when I finally had burnout and I thought, I know God put me on this plan for a reason. I'm supposed to be changing women's life, but here I am stuck in a broken system. There's something missing. And what was missing was health and wellness. Like I was focused on ill and disease and just looking at life the wrong way and not helping my patients. And so I had to make real big, scary, brave shifts in my life. And now I actually help women feel better and they heal themselves and it's transformational and they get their life back and all of these amazing things. And that's why I became a doctor, you know? So I heard Sachin Patel the other day saying something like, the medical system doesn't see you until you're sick, until you have a diagnosis and you are needing them and then you get stuck there and you never get well again. So I want to help women not get to that point, or if they are at that point, get out of it. You know, like I'm not in the business of keeping you feeling crappy. And so what I've come to understand is like, we have these women who are done having children and there's no help for them. You know, they're age like 35 to 45 and up, and they're seeking answers and their doctors just don't have any. So let's talk about that today. Like why don't doctors have those answers, right? Well, I think it's so important. And I have to really credit your life's journey as what has pivoted you to, you know, really become this tremendous women's advocate. You know, I always talk about the path less traveled and certainly you've had an incredible path. And I'm so, so grateful that not only that we are friends and we are clinicians, but that you are one of many that are speaking out on behalf of middle-aged women, because I am the first person to say very transparently that when I hit the wall of perimenopause, which I did, I was not anticipating the changes that I was going to be experiencing. And just by pure happenstance on the day that I was seeing my annual GYN and we had a good working relationship, I just happened to have my menstrual cycle started that day. And I'd been telling her my period was very heavy. And her first response wasn't, let's look at some other things. It was, let's fix this problem. We'll put you on oral contraceptives. We'll give you an IUD. If you don't want that in ablation or, you know, best case scenario, we just take your uterus out. And I was like, time out. This is not an option. And I think for so many women, like my mom never talked to me about these changes. My grandmother didn't. My girlfriends haven't. I've actually been the one that has encouraged them to talk about it. I said, I think there's so much shame in the aging process and we need to give ourselves compassion and we need to find the right providers to work with because we are out there. 
you don't have to ascribe to the philosophy or the methodology that, you know, your best years are behind you. And now you just have to accept things as they are. So when I was doing a little bit of research prior to our discussion, I was really looking into statistics on perimenopause, which there aren't a lot of them, which is unfortunate, but we do know, you know, statistically that 1.3 million women per year go into menopause. So that's 12 months without a menstrual cycle, but preceding that is perimenopause, this five to 10 year process. And what's interesting to me is that a lot of us, it's almost like we fall off a cliff. You know, we don't realize that our ovaries are starting to produce less progesterone, which impacts our sleep quality. And if we're prone to anxiety or depression, that we then, you know, evolve into having this relative estrogen dominance where we get these crazy heavy periods. I used to pray I would not start my cycle in the hospital because there was not enough equipment, supplies, slash, et cetera. Even the nurses, I mean, they would know. I would look this panicked look. I was like, oh my goodness. So on a lot of levels, I think let's start the conversation. Let's talk about what's happening physiologically to our bodies as we are you know, getting beyond the years, we're at peak fertility. What are the things that are changing in our bodies? And you know, really focusing in on what are ways that we can test? Like, this is the question I get asked a lot, which I know we'll touch on, but how do I know? Like, how do I know this is happening? What are the things I need to be asking my GYN or my midwife or my NP or PA, whomever you see, what are the things I need to do to prepare for this time period? Oh my gosh. Yeah. We have a lot to unpack. So (laughs) your situation was pretty typical. You went to the doctor, you have the symptom of the heavy period or the estrogen dominance, and they want to fix it for you. You know, that's how we are trained. And, you know, here's a kicker, which a lot of women are shocked by gynecologists are actually surgeons. Mm -hmm. They are not hormone experts. I came out of residency barely understanding menopause. You know, I was taught perimenopause was this three to five year scenario of hot flashes, night sweats, mood swings. You put them on estrogen and they're good to go. That is literally what I learned. And that was 20 years ago. And then the women's health initiative study came out and scared the bejesus out of everybody. And everybody got taken off their hormones and we're told just deal with it. So Now, fast forward 20 years later, we're seeing perimenopause symptoms starting 10 or 15 years before you stop having that period altogether. And so we really need to look at that and go, why? The reasons are we are living crazy stressed out lives that we never have in any time in previous history as women. We are trying to do it all, be it all, have it all. You know, we're trying to look good and stay in shape and run businesses or have successful jobs and start our families and run our families. And we're starting our families later. And All of that chronic cortisol production to manage all of that really causes an imbalance in our sex hormones. So that is number one. Number two is that we don't love on our liver. We abuse our liver. We drink alcohol on a regular basis now, like we never have as women in the past, you know, especially the past couple of years, you know, we have been going to grab that glass of wine to handle those stressors or to handle that pandemic stress and anxiety. And when you're drinking alcohol every night, and then you're taking Benadryl to help you sleep or Ambien and Ativan and all of these drugs, it's really stressful on the liver. 
And then there's the impact of our food. Our food is pretty much garbage in this society. I hate to say it, but I call it Franken food. It's not real food if you're eating out of boxes and bags. And so that's really hard on our liver as well. And then the other piece of it is that, you know, our gut microbiome, this is where I'm really passionate about gynecologists do not understand the association of gut health and gyne health. So your microbiome actually helps determine if you get rid of those used up estrogens and hormones, or if you recirculate them and reabsorb them. So your scenario of Hmm, my periods are getting a little heavier. That was a sign from your body that you were getting too much estrogen. And so that can happen from chronic cortisol production, depleting your progesterone. It can happen from your liver, not metabolizing your estrogens properly. It can happen because you're constipated and not pooping regularly, or you have the wrong bacteria living in your gut, causing you to reabsorb those estrogens. And none of that is evaluated by conventional gynecologists. It's very much a band-aid approach. Let's get rid of that heavy period. So what I finally found after, you know, practicing forever and seeing these patients, just having this recurring scenario is that you get rid of that symptom. I did a lot of hysterectomies and a lot of ablations and a lot of IUDs. Mm -hmm. A few years later, they would get diagnosed with breast cancer. And I stopped and I said, why, why, you know, and the problem is we didn't fix the hormone imbalance. So the estrogen continued to dominate the progesterone continued to be low and not be balancing and protecting that estrogen. And you continue to not metabolize your estrogens effectively in the liver. And so That is a scenario that I see all too commonly, and I want conventional gynecologists to acknowledge this problem because they're actually contributing to it by covering up your symptoms because it makes it easier to ignore this hormone imbalance. I've been using MitoPure for the last two years, and I've added this to my routine for multiple reasons. Number one, it's a foundational supplement for me and my family. It keeps things simple, and I know that I cannot get enough of urolithin A in my food to derive the same benefits. And if you're not familiarized with urolithin A, it's a signaling molecule, but it's also actively involved in anti-aging, energy production. And I take Timeline because of its remarkable remarkable healthy aging solution that activates key critical cellular pathways in my body. It's a total game changer for healthy aging. I alternate between using the soft gels and powder depending on whether or not I'm traveling. And we know that restoring cellular energy is a key to enduring health. And this is concluded in a recent publication in Nature Metabolism, which is a top scientific journal identifying that newly energized cells may provide many more years of healthy life to people. Yet as we age, we know that cellular energy production naturally declines and reduces our prospects of optimal health and longevity. That's the great thing about Timeline is you can restore cellular energy and support healthy aging. I've noticed the biggest improvements in my energy and sleep levels. We know that Timeline is clinically shown to give our cellular energy generators the mitochondria new power. And when taken daily, it 
replaces aging mitochondria so it upregulates mitophagy and rebuilds new ones or mitogenesis. Timeline is the only nutrient that can do what it does. So Timeline renews your cells to a more powerful state. My listeners can get 10% off your first order at Timeline.com slash Cynthia. That's 10% off at Timeline.com slash Cynthia. I know you're going to love this product. Have you guys heard about a bioactive whole food on the market with 5,000 published research studies backing it? When my oldest son needed to go on antibiotics a few months ago, I discovered Armra Colostrum and the benefits for him and his recovery from being on antibiotics have been instrumental in me now recommending this to my dairy non-sensitive patients and clients. Armra's colostrum strengthens immunity ignites metabolism, fortifies gut health, promotes hair growth and skin radiance, and powers fitness performance and recovery. My son has mentioned to me over and over again how great his gut feels, how he has improved his digestion and gut function as well. Colostrum is a rich, exclusive source of immunoglobulins or antibodies that optimize our immune defense even during cold and flu season. And we know that mucosal barriers house over 80% of our body's immune cells, including including the antibodies IgG and SIG-A. And these immunoglobulins bind and intercept harmful particles like viruses, bacteria, and toxins, blocking them from crossing into the barriers into our bloodstream. And Armra's colostrum contains the highest levels of SIG-A and IgG to ensure your most fortified first line of protection. It's sustainably sourced, and it's important to know that you want to mix colostrum only with cold liquids or foods or dry scoop it into your mouth. This is also great for the oral microbiome. And we've worked out a special offer for my everyday wellness community where you can receive 15% off your first order. Go to tryarmra.com slash Cynthia15 or enter Cynthia15 to get 15% off your first order. That's T-R-Y-A-R-M-R-A.com slash Cynthia15. You definitely want to check it out. I couldn't agree more. One of my best friends from high school who is 51 is still on oral contraceptives. And I actually had a a conversation with her and I said, we don't even know if you're in menopause because technically the average age of menopause here in the United States is 51. And, you know, she liked the convenience. I totally get it. There's no judgment, but we don't know where she is. And she said, what would I even do? Like, what are the tests I need to ask for? What are the things I need to do? And so we kind of dove down this rabbit hole of trying to look like, what's the research say? And it's kind of a, I mean, it's a total, pardon me, shit show. I mean, there is not enough research. I mean, I, when I wrote my book, I talked about these five phases of perimenopause and it was like, that required a lot of effort to find this one study talking about the phases, like what happens in the beginning, what happens towards the end. And I agree with you that we are band-aiding so many of these symptoms instead of addressing the root cause. And to touch on the estrogen piece, you can be having bowel movements every day and still not be excreting your estrogen properly. And I say this from personal experience that you know I've done a couple Dutch and people are pretty familiar with that test because they listen to the podcast. And, you know, I did it before I went on hormone replacement therapy. I did it when I was about four months in. And what was interesting to me was that clearly I was on not the right types of hormone replacement therapy because all of a sudden I went from excreting my estrogen properly to not. And so a lot of it was determined by the products we were using and, and I'm off of them now and, and my estrogen metabolism is better. 
But because I was having a bowel movement every day, I assumed, oh, I'm getting rid of the excess estrogen. No, I wasn't. And so I think if anyone's listening and says, well, I don't get constipated, so I must be fine. No, that's not the case. So what are some of the tests that you like to use in your work with women right now that you feel like are beneficial for the perimenopausal woman? And especially those like I get DMs, I'm sure you get them too. How do I know if, where I am if I have an IUD? How do I know where I am if I have an ablation? How do I know if I'm if I've had my uterus out but I still have my ovaries? I don't even know how to ask, like, really respond thoughtfully to those questions. And I'm sure you have some ideas, but I know that I get those questions almost every day. I absolutely love that your listeners are asking these questions because that is key. You know, we finally need to start speaking up for ourselves. I would love to go back quickly and just talk about your friend, the birth control on Mm -hmm. the birth control pill. Oh my goodness. So the problem with the birth control pill, there's multiple problems, but we're on them for decades. And, you know, I'm an advocate of the birth control pill. That's how I didn't have another baby and made it through medical school, right? Let me put that disclaimer in there. You should use it if you need it for birth control. It's a good option, but you should have informed consent when you go on that birth control pill. You should know and be told that it is shutting down your own hormone production, your HPO axis. So your brain and ovaries are not talking to each other. Your brain is no, or your ovaries are no longer responding to things. They're kind of put in a sleep mode. That is why you don't get pregnant because you don't ovulate. It also causes leaky gut and it causes you to no longer absorb your vitamins and minerals effectively. So I see a lot of B vitamin depletion and protein depletion and all of these things. And B vitamins are actually needed to metabolize estrogens appropriately. So the other thing is it shifts your gut microbiome. So you have different bacteria living in your gut and you mentioned you're pooping every day. So I'm so glad you pointed that out because it's not just you getting rid of, you know, your stool evacuating, But there's certain bacteria that will cause you to cut the garbage tag off of those hormones that you're trying to get out of your system, and that will cause you to reabsorb them. So it's not just the physical movement or not. There's things going on microscopically that we need to be aware of. And so you can evaluate all of that with functional stool testing. It's pretty amazing. But what I see is women will go on the birth control pill either as a teen because their period is heavy and crazy and painful, which we could talk about all that. That's a whole nother episode. That's not normal. That needs to be addressed, not with birth control pills, or you go on it for birth control and then you stay on it for the convenience or your doctor keeps putting you on it to, you know, handle these heavy period symptoms, et cetera. Those are synthetic hormones. They do not send the same signal to your breast tissue and all the other receptors throughout your body that natural bioidentical hormones do. And so what we now understand is even though it gets rid of your symptom in other areas, it's doing you more harm than good. And so I would encourage women to only use it for birth control for the shortest amount of time necessary. You know, that's what we say for hormone replacement therapy. So the idea is all these synthetic hormones are completely safe for 20 or 30 years. And then as soon as you're done having periods, they're no longer safe. Like everybody's got to get off them shortest duration. 
And really the problem was the 20 to 30 years preceding you going into menopause. That is how cancer and disease develop. They don't develop overnight, you know? So having a 53-year-old woman go on synthetic hormones, that didn't cause the cancer. It was what was happening for those decades leading up to it. And I promise you that will not be addressed or researched or acknowledged because imagine the lawsuits, imagine the millions and millions of women put on birth control pills since the sixties, that would like our society would probably collapse, honestly. So it's not going to be addressed. It's up to us to acknowledge these facts and say, okay, is this safe for me? Do I want to continue on this? Am I willing to take that risk? You know, some people are starting to understand that, but it's important to like focus on your gut health, focus on your liver health, get your vitamin and minerals supplemented because I guarantee you're depleted and that's creating a vicious cycle. So when you take a synthetic hormone like estrogen or a synthetic progestin, your body is metabolizing it into a form we don't like right off the bat. You know, we see that all the time with oral estrogen replacement. So you can get bioidentical oral estradiol as a menopausal woman, but 30% of it gets converted to estrone in your gut before you even put it in your bloodstream and use it. So you're putting it into a form that is more likely to damage DNA and your cells and increase your risk of breast cancer before it even gets into your bloodstream. You know, it's these little nuances that your provider needs to know. And a lot of them don't. And so women are, you know, they're causing more harm than they are good because gynecologists are surgeons and they're not trained hormone experts. They're not learning this stuff. So it's really important for you to seek out alternative practitioners. I mean, I'm guessing that was your situation, right, Cynthia? Absolutely. And it's interesting. I want to dovetail into the, I was reading some research about oral contraceptives that they even change the type of partners you would select. So maybe if you were not on oral contraceptives, you might be attracted to a different person, but because you were on these synthetic hormones, you end up coupling with maybe someone that you would not have otherwise chosen to be with. And that's really profound and powerful. And how many of my friends at the stage of life that I'm in, where we're starting to see people get separated and get divorced, you know, women who are now off of hormones, and maybe they're looking at their partner and saying, you know, we're not as well matched as we thought we were. And it's because at the time, well, I'm sure it's many things, but one thing that could have contributed is that we are disrupting this normal physiologic, you know, whether it's pheromone production, et cetera, but that influence on the gut microbiome even impacts our ability to select the right partners. And I thought that was very, very telling. And I agree with you that even as a provider, I had to go outside the traditional medical model to get the kind of care that I wanted. And I'm so glad that you brought up the concept of informed consent, because how many of us don't even think about it, whatever prescription we get, they might mention a couple of side effects, but you're not really thinking like, truly, what am I consenting to for my body? One of the things I'm starting to see is women that were on long-term oral contraceptives, either to help with wonky periods or with contraception later going on to developing osteoporosis a whole lot earlier, because they've been in this low estradiol state when they were at peak bone and muscle mass building in their twenties and thirties, that's something Again, there are probably more research needs to be done, but my N of 20 or 30 
is that pretty consistently when I'm saying, you know, were you on oral contraceptives for a period of time, you know, when you were younger, almost, I mean, almost all of us were. And I find that really, really interesting. I'm not referring to osteopenia because that's technically not even a diagnosis. If you've been told you have osteopenia, you should not be, you know, comparing your bone density at 50 to your bone density at 20. Like that's not a, a reasonable comparison. So when you're looking or talking to women that have an IUD or they've had an ablation or they've had a hysterectomy and still have their ovaries, how do you help them understand where they are? If they're in perimenopause, like how do they know when they're done? Like, do you advocate looking at FSH? Do you recommend they seed cycle? What are the things that you kind of recommend or suggest? Cause this is actually my own question. Cause when women come to me, I'm like, I don't really have a great answer. So I'm hopeful that, that you will have a better one. Yeah, I think it's really important, especially for the women you mentioned that are essentially blocking those symptoms. You know, symptoms are messages from your body. Your body's trying to tell you something. So now you have to find another way to understand what your body is saying. And so if you're not having a period because of intervention, because you have a hormonal IUD or you've had an ablation, then, or you've had a hysterectomy and you still have your ovaries, we have to try and find out, are you still cycling? Because you don't have to bleed to be cycling. Cycling is the communication between your brain and your ovaries producing hormones in different amounts every day of the month to cause ovulation, to cause release of that egg for a potential pregnancy. And that will still happen if you don't have your, your uterus, but you still have your ovaries. And so I always encourage women to get in tune with their bodies and try to understand what they're doing at different times of the month. And it can take a few months, really, because we're trained from a young age to just ignore it, just figure out how to deal with it and move on. You know, my daughter just started her period. I'm sure she's super happy with me announcing this, but (laughs) she was mortified and she was like, I'm not telling any of my friends. Like that is how it is in America. We don't talk about it. We just cover it up. We're ashamed. We're embarrassed. We're scared. And so that whole conversation has to change. But in the meantime, we have to do all the crap that was done to our, you know, way of thinking as women. So start getting in tune. When do I have energy? What days of the month? Like write it on the calendar. When do I feel like, oh my gosh, I could go out and conquer the world. That's usually about, you know, seven to 10 days long. When do I want to rest and take a nap and sleep in? When do I just need a massage? When does my body hurt? When is my brain fog kicking in? When do I want to have sex? You know, when I'm all of a sudden I'm interested in my husband for like four to six days of the month, where's that at? And really try to map that out and you will figure out where you are in your cycle. So the other piece of it is you can do ovulation predictor kits to see when are you ovulating? And that's another piece of the puzzle or to take your temperature. You have to take it like before you even step out of your bed in the morning, like right away, because your temperature will go up half to one degree when you ovulate. And so all of these little pieces of information, you can kind of put them together and figure out where you are. So I know for me, like I'll be tired and want to cry myself to sleep 
like the day before I start bleeding and then the first day of my period. And then the second and third day, I'm like, let's kick ass and conquer the world. And I'm feeling amazing. I want to intermittent fast. I don't need food. I'm good to go. A few days later, I want to have sex again. And my libido's up, my testosterone's coming on and things are good. Then I ovulate, my cervical mucus gets thicker. There's more moisture, all of that. And then you know, about cycle day 27 or 26, I'm like, man, I don't want to do anything. Why am I trying to conquer the world? Like I'm overwhelmed. I'm crying to my husband. And then that starts all over again. And it took me a long time to figure that out about myself. That's not something I learned as an OBGYN resident, unfortunately. And when I realized that I started paying attention to my patients and lo and behold, that is a common thing for all women. That is how we feel throughout the month based on our hormone cycling, because estrogen is our growth hormone. It makes us want to do stuff. And so estrogen comes in early in the month and we get going, we get hustling. When we ovulate, our body's like, she might get pregnant. We better hunker down, conserve energy, focus on that uterus in case that egg implants, you know, and so things turn down and it's focused on restore and restoration. And in the middle, when you're trying to ovulate and get pregnant, that's when the testosterone is high. And so I remember learning the little pictures of these levels going up and down in residency, but no one ever sat down and explained how women feel during this time and how to help them be vibrant and make the most out of it. Like how they should be exercising and, you know, eating and you've done an amazing job with that. And so has better body, Dr. Estima, like so many women are finally talking about this. And I would encourage women to embrace this and teach this to your daughters. Like a new time is coming. We're no longer just going to be trying to get rid of our period. Like that was super popular in the early 2000s. Seasonique came out. Let's not have a period for three months. Nobody needs a period. We don't want periods. They're bad news, you know, and it just further caused more shame and all, you know, more frustration. And that pill was horrible. Like people were having breakthrough bleeding. Like you wouldn't believe it caused a lot of emotional frustration, a lot of depression, anxiety, because when you mess with sex hormones, you're not just messing with your period. You're messing with how you feel as a person, how you function, your energy level, your immune system. It's all balanced by your hormones. At some point, we've all been sold a big fat lie. It's called the protein misconception. So starting in the 1980s, we all believed that more protein equated to more muscle growth. And I'm here to tell you, it's a big misconception. This has a great deal to do that our body can only absorb protein that's broken down into smaller building blocks called amino acids. It doesn't matter if you're consuming 30 grams of protein or 300 grams of protein. If you don't have a sufficient supply of enzymes to digest the protein, your muscles will ultimately be unable to use these as vital building blocks. That's why it's crucial you take a high quality digestive enzyme. The one I trust and use myself is called Masszymes by Bi Optimizers. Masszymes is a full spectrum enzyme formula with more protease than any other commercially available product. 
product with five different forms of protease. Plus, it contains all the other key enzymes you need for optimal digestion. If you're experiencing bloating, gas, or digestive distress, a contributing factor can be that your body is no longer producing as much digestive enzymes. And you can try Masszymes today risk-free. They have a 365-day full money-back guarantee and is the gold standard in the industry. Go to biooptimizers.com slash Cynthia. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com slash Cynthia and use promo code Cynthia10 for 10% off of any order. Again, that's promo code Cynthia10 for 10% off any order. Do you find yourself struggling to get a good night's sleep? If so, you may be dealing with a hidden mineral deficiency. It is not at all uncommon in perimenopause and menopause to deal with sleep challenges. And we know that one of many contributory reasons for poor sleep can be a reduction in specific minerals that help regulate sleep quality, including magnesium, which is involved in GABA, which is our body's main calming neurotransmitter. We also know that we need potassium to create melatonin. And this is a hormone that is a master antioxidant, but is also utilized to help induce sleep. We also think about things like zinc, which can balance excitatory neurotransmitters like glutamate. And if it's overactive, meaning if your glutamate levels are too high, it can prevent your brain from becoming more relaxed and inducing sleep. And lastly, selenium increases both our deep sleep and sleep duration. All these minerals matter a lot for sleep and any imbalances or deficits can have a major impact on the quality of sleep you get each night. And that's why I love Beam Minerals. They offer a full spectrum mineral supplement that gives you every essential mineral your body needs in the right doses, all in a highly absorbable liquid form. All you do is take a shot of bean minerals about an hour before bed. Don't worry, it tastes like water. And you'll replenish all of your body's minerals in about 30 seconds and give your brain what it needs for deep restorative sleep. I've been using this product over the last several months. I've really been impressed with the improvement in my sleep metrics, which I like to share on social media with my followers. And if you want a simple way to improve your sleep, head over to www.beaminerals.com and use code Cynthia for 20% off your first order. That's www.beaminerals.com and use code Cynthia for 20% off your first order. And I think that's such an important shift in your perspective. I know for myself, I say now, I mean, now that I'm done having menstrual cycles, I now know more about the menstrual cycle than I ever did (laughs) before. And I was like, how sad is that? And it really speaks to the fact that menstruation was kind of thought of as dirty and, you know, Mm -hmm. you don't talk about it and you're always making excuses for it. And, you know, like you mentioned, you know, creating contraception that, you know, de-obligates us from actually having something that should otherwise be pretty natural. And I'm always very transparent and tell people, I thought I had horrible PMS in my twenties. I didn't have terrible PMS. I had bad PMS, PMS. I put it in quotes because I wasn't really having a menstrual cycle in between packs of pills, but I had awful PMS symptoms. And I didn't know that that wasn't normal for me until I went off the pill when my husband and I got married. And all of a sudden I was like, I actually don't have PMS, but it's because of these synthetic hormones, you know, disconnecting parts of my brain to my organs. That's not, you know, functioning and optimally working. 
Do you suspect that one of the reasons why we don't talk about energy and sex drive and, you know, cravings with our patients is that it's harder to measure. Do you think that has something to do with it? Because when I think about like, why hasn't the research really been done in this area, at least that I'm aware of, is it because it's considered to be a tougher, you know, variable to plan for? Like, I know I actually did a presentation last week in Salt Lake and I was talking about, I forget it was from like 1973 to 1993, women were not allowed to be in any phase one clinical trials. And that has started to shift. And yes, that was over 30 years ago, but it shows you that there's a, there's not enough research being done on women because there's concerns that our menstrual cycle is too complicated. It's a variable they don't want to account for. And my hope is, you know, that our generation of women is going to ensure that, you know, my nieces and your daughter and all these other young people that they're going to age and mature very differently than we did with more information and more awareness and greater empowerment. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, you hit on some important points and I want women to understand that the majority of studies that are done on women are done by drug companies in an effort to get rid of those symptoms for you. It's like, does this drug work for this symptom? That is what they're studying. They are not studying how can we get your body to be in homeostasis and function on its own. Those studies aren't being done because no one makes money off of you being healthy and not requiring medications and surgeries. Everything is very much focused on, did this surgery work for endometriosis? Did this pill work for, you know, your bleeding? So I want women to understand, like, you know, your doctor focuses on evidence-based medicine and makes all their decisions on evidence-based medicine. And the evidence is not there for women because the system is broken. So it very much frustrates me when my colleagues say what you're doing is not evidence-based. That is because it's never going to be studied until we shift how we view healthcare. I put those in quotes in our system. So you mentioned like it is hard to measure libido and things like that. But the bigger issue that I find is that you don't have time to talk to your doctor about that. You know, I got penalized for taking time with my patients. I had to sit in meetings every month with like three or four managers and be told that I'm not seeing enough patients. I'm not doing enough surgery. I'm not making enough money. I'm not doing enough deliveries. I promise you that all of your doctors, that is how it works, you know, unless they're in private practice, which is almost impossible in this day and age. So they're all hospital owned salaried physicians being told how to treat you. And they are being told you get 15, 20 minutes, you know, you get 20 minutes if it's an entire annual exam. So you got to crank out the physical and find out how they feel and fix the problem in that 20 minutes. There's no time to talk about, are you moving your body? Are you going through a divorce? Are you having a midlife crisis? Are you eating garbage? Are you sleeping? None of that. And so we never really get to the root cause of the problem, not even to mention deeper issues like mold and Lyme and all those chronic things that don't get addressed, but like basic lifestyle stuff. So I say, don't even be mad at your doctor. They're just as broke as you. They're probably just as unhealthy and just as sick. 
You know, physicians and nurses are the most overweight, unhealthy profession there is because they don't have time to take care of themselves. So they can honestly not be an example for you as a patient. I know I was broken. You know, I was living on donuts and coffee and falling asleep at lunch. And yet people were coming to me with their health issues and I was giving bad advice. And so it's so broken. I don't even know where to start. That's why I'm just starting with the women like seek alternative solutions. So what I say is ask why, why do you want to give me this medication? How long do I need to take this for? If they don't have clear answers for you that sit well in your gut, don't take it. You know, I don't know about you, but using antidepressants for perimenopause. That's the new craze, you know, that is recommended by the American College of OBGYNs by the North American Menopause Society, which, you know, I'm all board certified through these places. That is the standard of care. If I have a woman complaining of hot flashes and night sweats, I'm supposed to start her on Lexapro first line. That is what I'm supposed to do. And you know what that causes? more weight gain, more self-esteem issues, not wanting to be intimate with their husband. So then they, you know, spiral and feel 10 times worse. And then they can't get off the medication because it's impossible. It's so addictive. You have disequilibrium or you feel like you've had, you know, alcohol to drink, you get all of these side effects. So, you know, just examples like that just infuriate me. And I just want to say like enough is enough. Stop with this pill for an ill. It's really harming women. Well, and I think it's so important because you're being so transparent about your lack of ability to provide the kind of care that you know your patients deserve. I felt very similarly. I think most people know I worked in cardiology and I used to call it the question that I would get asked as I was walking out the door. Now the nurse practitioner service in my practice, if I was in hospital, I was managing all the patients. If I was in clinic, I was seeing hospital follow-ups and usually the sickest of the sick people because the docs didn't want to see them. They were like, go talk to the NP. And I loved my patients, but the handle on the door question always centered around sex They wanted to ask me the questions because they weren't comfortable enough asking the cardiologist, which was generally a male. And I used to say to my husband, you know, kind of humorously, I would say the people that had enough courage to ask about their sex lives were never the people I would have assumed were having sex. So it just goes to show you they were the ones that were courageous enough to have that discussion. And so I would always sit back down and have that discussion because I kept thinking if they're asking me in the cardiology office it speaks volumes because someone else isn't asking that question or answering that question for them. So I think that's absolutely critical. What's interesting. And I know we're going to talk about this in our episode that's upcoming when we're talking about vasomotor symptoms. So those symptoms that women get where they feel like maybe they're burning from the inside out, they're having hot flashes. If you really look at the research, it's not a depression issue. It's generally a blood sugar dysregulation issue. And it's interesting, the leaner your body mass is, the less likely you are to experience these vasomotor symptoms. And it's actually protective against insulin resistance. But are we talking to our patients about that? No, we're prescribing medications because that is what we have been taught as clinicians that a pill is going to fix that symptom. And obviously, goodness, I mean, I can't. (laughs) Well, I was just going to say, 
to add to that problem, insurance companies will not cover labs to be drawn if you don't have a diagnosis. So it's very common for your doctor to never check your your hemoglobin A1C or your fasting insulin or any of these really important markers because they're discouraged from doing so. They need a diagnosis, a reason for that reimbursement, or they get in trouble. They get letters from the insurance company. So there are well-meaning gynecologists out there who finally are understanding or you know, had their eyes opened like I did, but they're still trying to work within the broken system. And you can't, like you really just can't. So don't even be mad at them. Don't even try to fight it and get angry because if they say no, they can't do it. It's either because they're afraid of getting in trouble from their administrator or the insurance company, or they don't know how to interpret the results. That's my other key point I want women to understand is as a physician, I was trained how to evaluate and treat disease. I was trained to look for disease. So when I ordered a hemoglobin A1C, if it was less than seven, I was happy as a clam. I was like, you're good to go. We'll see you next year. When in reality, you are sick. You know, 5.7 is pre-diabetes. Yet we say, yeah, you better work on your diet. We'll see you next year. Do we talk about the diet? No. Do we change anything? Do we send them to a nutritionist? Maybe if you're lucky and you have really a good insurance and you're going to go see a dietitian who recommends the American Diabetes Association diet, which is garbage. I'm just going to be honest right now. You're still not going to you know, get any help. So it's really important to listen to podcasts like this and hear the truth because our system is broken. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Tabitha, this is the end of our part one. Let my listeners know how to connect with you, how to listen to your amazing podcast, how to find you on social media. Oh my goodness. Yes. Go listen to the gutsy gynecologist show. I talk about all kinds of, you know, things covering women's health. It's not just gynecology because we are more than our lady parts, right? But follow me at on drtabitha.com. It's T-A-B-A-T-H-A, no eyes. I'm on Instagram and TikTok at the Gutsy Gynecologist. So I hope you guys check it out. Absolutely. Thanks to you again for coming on. If you love this podcast episode, please leave a rating and review, subscribe and tell a friend. Just as you carefully choose the cut of meat or freshness of produce that you cook at home, you should carefully choose chemical-free cookware that provides a healthy and safe cooking experience. The materials in 360 cookware are safe, sustainable, and of the highest quality. Their cookware is 100% free from any toxic chemicals as the company produces quality stainless steel cookware and bakeware without added chemicals, and all are manufactured in the United States. It's also the leading manufacturer that equips kitchens with cookware and bakeware that are free of all of the toxic chemicals and coatings, including PFAS, Teflon, and ceramic. And the best thing is that when used properly, the product's construction provides nonstick properties in a product that can be passed down through generations. Go to www.360cookware.com and use code CYNTHIA20 for 20% off your first order. 
Again, that's 360cookware.com and use code CYNTHIA20 for 20% off your first order. We've been using their products over the last several months and have really been pleased with not only the durability, but ease of cleanliness. 